You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we're here with Spiracle Media, uh, Jared Latch and Tim Baer. Now, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what is media? What is marketing? It's always changing. But all of those media and marketing companies want to know what the next buzz is in the marketplace. But we really think one local company takes it to the next level level by actually putting the buzz in their name. Now, Spiracle Media is literally named after the part of a bee that makes it buzz. Also fitting for a town whose NBA team is the Hornets and whose town logo that shows a hornet's nest. Now, this company kicked off a fast start by representing and working with a lot of local athletes, which is not surprising because both of these founders were previously sports reporters, which I think is awesome. And a lot of kids dream growing up watching ESPN on the mornings. And I know it was one of mine that I never got to do. So I'm excited to hear a little bit more about that. But you guys were local sports reporters here on local TV. Um, but now you guys do so much more. And you guys have started this company called Spiracle Media. And it's really neat and fitting that two people that were in an industry, but also not in the same specific industry have now pivoted and are now using the skill set that you've gotten from your previous employment to now create a business and become really successful. And I think that's the story that everybody on the Brand Builders podcast is interested to hear about. Uh, so welcome, Jared and Tim, to the Brand Builders podcast. Appreciate Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah. So I, I'm sure you get the question all the time. Why do you leave the glamorous TV life to go out <laughs> and start a media company? We, we do get that quite often. And it, it wasn't all glamour. It did a lot for us. It was enjoyable. I know you talk about the life you never got to live. Uh, but it was you exciting. Yeah, there was maybe a little too dramatic <laughs> on the intro. But you missed I, a you missed a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you might have played it up a little bit. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. You know, it gave us a lot. We spent uh, ten to fifteen years, uh, both of us, as sports anchors and broadcasters. You get to cover a lot of cool events, going back to Super Bowls and NCAA tournaments, Daytona 500. You can name all those those premier events. The Masters, I know, which one of Tim's favorites, and you can't beat being down at uh. Augusta for that. But it was the rest of the noise around it. You know, there's a lifestyle that surrounds it. And eventually in your life, you want a little bit more structure, I guess, and, and more normalcy, which you don't have. And you're all nights and weekends because that's when sports happen. So you have to be available. But it gave us a lot in terms of experience. You, you touched on how we took a lot of those skills and those translated in to what we're doing now. And we've continually been able to build on that, that journalistic foundation and the stuff we took from a storytelling standpoint, and those environments just, just made us better. Yeah, and I think um, there definitely comes a point that you, at midnight, you're going home and you're like, gosh, how long can I do this? Um, and it's on a Friday night or Saturday night. And, you know, I think part of that is you meet somebody maybe that you're going to get married and you're like, okay, now I need Monday through Friday. I need a little bit uh, less craziness in that in that standpoint. When we were young, it was great. We had fun day Mondays. Uh, all of our TV <laughs> friends would come over and we'd have a big party. Um, and it, it was awesome. And then, you know, we sort of aged out of that, I think. But the um, neighbors didn't always think it was that good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we had, a minute, we had to set Monday a curfew morning. time yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> for outdoor activities. That's right. But, um, but no, it was an awesome experience. Just like Jared said, I think uh, a lot of who we are today is because of those experiences. And, um, and I think it set us up for you know, something that we didn't necessarily know we were getting into initially. And, and, uh, and now we're in a good spot because of that background. So tell us a little bit how the idea came up. Um, obviously, you both were in a career very successful in that. And then you decided to, to start this business. Uh, tell us how that journey 
you know, started and, and really where was the, the, the spark or the let's do this moment? Yeah. So Jared and I were uh, roommates with uh, it was actually five guys in a six bedroom house in Wesley Heights. And uh, so it was very like old school feel. Um, frat and, house. Yeah, totally yeah. frat house. And uh, we would sit up at night. You know, you get home at 1130, 12 o'clock from work and you're still jazzed from having done a show. So you're not going to sleep right away. And so we'd sit up and have a beer and sort of talk about, you know, what's next? What are we going to do? Um, and at the time we had a, uh, a third friend who was also a sports anchor who would hang out with us. And we, we talked about at the time, social media being something that was on the rise, hadn't completely crested. We're back in 2009, 2010, when we were having these conversations. Um, and athletes were starting to realize they could make money through social media. Now, they weren't making a lot of money at this point, but it was starting to become a stream of revenue. And that's where became our jumping off point. Um, we saw that there was a real opportunity um, for using social media in a unique way to lead to that extra stream of revenue. And, um, and so we, we sort of straddled for a while. So Jared left uh, SOC. He was doing like nine different jobs, I think, at the time. Uh, but one of them was helping us start Spiracle. And so Jared was our first full-time employee. And Bill and I were both still working in TV while starting the company. So we did that whole you know, half-in type thing to get it off the ground. So what kind of work do you all do exactly? Well, as Tim talked about, you know, the, the social media beginnings where we're working in digital or helping athletes leverage their brand to create more opportunity in that space, not only connecting with fans, but then bringing sponsors on board. And it was a couple years into Spiracle around 2013, where our third co-founder, Bill Voth, who now works high up with the Panthers and digital, he wanted to get back into the sports arena. Uh, when that happened, we had a mix of not only athlete partners, but we also had some in, in the business uh, section. And what we looked at was this component of video. From the beginning, it was something that was just a hook to get people involved. We're like, hey, we can do this. We can execute these things on the social media side. And oh, by the way, we do video. Uh, so when that happened and Bill left the picture, he was the one really spearheading that day-to-day and -day trying to build that aspect of the business. Uh, we ran into our, our biggest hire and chief creative right now, David Cronodal. We hired him, and that really changed what we do. And it gets us to the answer to your question, is that we became laser-focused on, on video content and video storytelling and using that background that we had built to differentiate ourselves as being former journalists, now going out in these lean teams, not only being able to shoot really nice cinematic content that you would, you would see, but we also had the ability to dive in, ask the right questions. We were good in the field in terms of adjusting. You know, if something didn't go as planned, that didn't hurt us. We knew how to, to go and maneuver and get the best stuff. So that's where we went. And from that standpoint, we continued to build. And, and now today, that video storytelling is still at the core of what we do. We've added services around that, aerial video and photography, live streaming, also have an audio component to bring added value to our partnerships. But it all started right there in that pivot in 2013 away from the social media. But again, what the social media did was give us another foundational element to understand how to best use video in all the different applications. But that's where we sit today. Again, storytelling at the core, building value around that. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, some of the people that you, you know, first got to work with, the ones that really kind of 
you know, gave you that confidence like we can do this because I think you guys are on the front end in, in 2009, 2010, thinking that social media could be what it is. I don't think anybody, you know, back when, when Facebook came out, I was a junior in college and it was a place to put, you know, invitations to keg parties. You know what I mean? Like that was Facebook or like find your, you know, girlfriend from middle school who moved to Jersey or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was just a totally different world than it is today. And I don't think people could ever imagine that you would be literally addicted to social media and have it on your phone and be looking at it every single day and be marketed to every single second. Um, so I'm just curious to see who, what were some of your first clients that, that kind of gave you that, that push and said, we're doing this. Yeah, you know, we, we had, uh, I think I'd say there's two really first in the social media space when we were starting out the company. One was, uh, and I don't know if you guys remember this place, Euphoria Yogurts. Mm -hmm. uh, used to be over on Selwyn. Uh, yep. So the CEO was based here. Uh, they were a really growing, fast-growing uh, yogurt store. It was in the health food the kick. Good they old were, Froyo craze. Yeah. And, yep. um, and we ended up running all of their social media for the company. They paid us too much money for what we were doing, which was great, um, <laughs> and for the experience that we had. But just like you said, it was sort of a wild, wild west. And if you spoke confidently, you could probably get in the door at most places uh, because those people didn't know what they were doing either. Um, but it was like that fake it till you make it piece that, um, that really sometimes works out well. Uh, <laughs> we did a lot of cool things with them. And then, uh, our second and, and probably biggest name client obviously is Steph Curry. Um, and so that summer Steph came back from his first year in the NBA, was taking classes at Davidson to finish his degree. We knew Steph from covering him during the NCAA tournament as sports anchors here in Charlotte. And so Bill actually went up and had a meeting with Steph uh, and laid out what we're doing and what we thought that the opportunities were for him. And I'll never forget, he finished the meeting and he's like, all right, you guys are Team Curry, let's do this. Wow. And that was the, the launch point for that. And we ran Steph's social media for his next three years in the league. We did video with him um, and it was awesome. Uh, but it really got to a point with that and this actually all sort of went at the same time. Uh, he needed somebody in, in San Fran with him full time. And that wasn't going to be any of us. We had all since been married. We weren't moving anytime soon. And then this little company called Under Armour came along and, uh, and they helped uh, fill that void. So, uh, so we're still good friends with Steph to this day. Um, but he was, a, he was definitely a transformational character in our company because, you know, when I walk into a business in Uptown and say, hey, Steph Curry is our first client, they're all like, ooh. All right. And it gave you that panache and that credibility yeah. that you might not have had otherwise. So, I mean, I, I give a lot of credit to Steph for, for how we started. There's not many people you could have named that would have more of an impact, especially <laughs> in this city, than Steph Curry. For sure. Um, that's incredible. I, I played a sport in the Southern Conference, and, and Steph Curry came down to Georgia Southern where I played soccer. And I'll never forget it. He was a junior, and he stole, uh, stole a pass, and he could have easily just gone and done a layup. And instead of that, he stopped at the three-point line, dribbled the ball behind his back, and then swished it right in front of our face. And the whole gym was like, who in the hell is that? And uh, we all knew he was Dell's son, but I don't think anybody imagined that he would turn into the player that he is. But that's awesome that you guys kind of got his career rolling from a social media standpoint. What an awesome story. Um, so tell us, you know, you guys have been in it for a little while. What are some of the 
You know, I guess I guess now it's not no, it's not necessarily how cool can you make a movie, but it's how quick can you get it produced, what that content is. How have you guys seen social media change now? And how have you guys taken your lessons in sports and in, in journalism and news and and knowing you have to maybe be first to the market, but it better be credible, it better be right. I don't know if that's still the case to this day, but <laughs> but back in the day it was when you guys were like is that still still I guess the way people are marketing is it, is it, is it, you got to make it fast. You got to make it happen. And how did kind of that journalism kind of drive? Like we got to get the story together, help you to be able to produce this for, for your clients today. There's certainly a mix of different projects. As you know, there's so much time or so much different types of content. It's so diversified depending on where it needs to go. But that early stuff in social media and the quick turn deadline oriented world that we were a part of. And now a very high percent of, of our team come from that background. So those quick turns, you get in event environments where everything is not, it's pre-scripted, but it doesn't always go along with the script and you can't always get exactly what you need. So they're adjusting in those environments. Uh, we have other opportunities where we're doing commercial shoots. So those things stay right in place according to script. And then you've got the real stories where you have to go in and it's, it's one thing to shoot beautiful content. It's another to actually tell a story. And I think people don't realize there's a, there's a big line there and a disconnect in, in what goes out these days. There, there's a lot of people that can shoot very nice-looking cinematic video, but it always doesn't tell a story. And more times than not, it doesn't tell that story. So that's what we're really trying to continue with these businesses. Whoever needs the content is no matter how long it is, no matter where it's going, we want it to tell a story. And it takes a special kind of person, a special skill set, to combine all those elements to get to that point. And, and that's what companies are looking to do. Uh, that's what they need to do. You hear storytelling now more than ever. I know with some of our corporate clients two years ago, that wasn't part of their vernacular. They, won't, they weren't thinking storytelling. They were thinking the corporate stuff we've always done and we want to continue to do it. And now it's extended into multiple verticals in these big companies where storytelling is king. And we're like, yeah, no, no kidding. We've been we're doing that for a few years, but now it's being adopted at a, at a mass scale. But it's still important that, that that disconnect doesn't occur between great looking stuff and no story because people are craving to connect with char characters. They're craving to have some emotion come out in those videos. So that's what we took from the social media connecting and our backgrounds and how we look to help these companies from a marketing standpoint when our teams come in and execute on the video side. And I'll, I'll pick up on that just to give you guys a little bit of background story on our stuff now. Um, so we have a 17-person team. We're right over here in South End. We're growing, and we're constantly interviewing new talent to come in. And in the past, what we've really looked for is former journalists that have told stories for a living. That's one of those things that's hard to t teach. We could teach the cinematic video. We could teach a lot of the editing stuff. Um, but knowing how to tell a story is different. Also, having worked in a local newsroom, things break all the time. And you guys know when you're dealing with electronic equipment, things go down all the time. Well, that happens constantly. And so being able to adapt in the field quickly is a real talent that not everybody has. And so when we get these resumes from young kids coming out of college, um, a lot of them, what they'll send us as their resume reel are these like beautiful music videos. And so it's gorgeous, gorgeous video set to some music track, and that's it. And, it's, and at no point do I feel connection 
you know, uh, character, storyline, any of that kind of stuff. It's just very much putting beautiful video over music and then sending it out. And that's where I think there is sometimes a disconnect in the video space where I think you really start to see a difference when you're telling stories. It sounds like you all work with some really big names. Do you have a package designed for smaller businesses? Uh, because, like for us, for example, we want to incorporate video. Video is, by nature, really expensive. Um, how do you cater to that, or do you just not? No, there, I think the way you do that is the costs that are incurred a lot have to deal with the shooting. Uh, Post-production, if you're well regimented and you're planned out, you can make up for that. So when it's at a smaller level like that, it's about creating value on that front end with the shoot and how much content can I get out of that opportunity. I think that's the biggest difference. When we go in and we say, okay, you have budget for two days of shooting, where in the other cases they could have money for nine or ten days of shooting, which obviously is a significant difference in the amount of content you can get. But if you're very strategic in terms of what you want and you stay on point, then that value exists. You know, and you can scale that cost back just a little bit and get a lot. I know Tim always likes to say bang for your buck, but that's how you would structure the front end of that is, is getting more out of that one day than most people would maybe want just one video out of that one day. Maybe you want eight different segments that you want to allocate over a certain amount of time. Yeah, so that would be one way that you could look at going about that. Yeah, I agree. Because it is. It's where you find you know, value in being able to get multiple pieces of content out of that one shoot um, versus, you know, I don't know. For instance, we sent, we had three guys in Puerto Rico all week and they were down there for four days and literally they're going to probably get five videos out of that out of four days in Puerto Rico. It's very expensive. Um, yeah. But if, you know, you do a half day shoot and you have your everything buttoned up, you can get three to four pieces out of that and it's a much smaller cost. And so that's really where you try and find those efficiencies. And the one thing I would add there is you, you still need to be careful with, you want the content to be very good. So yeah. your expectations have to be correct. You can't go in there thinking, I'm going to get two, two, two minute, really strong story pieces. Not likely. You know, you just can't get those assets in place in one day. Uh, but if your goal is I want a bunch of uh, 20 to 30 second quick hits that I want to put on social media and our other channels that we have at our disposal, then you, you can get that done. So what would your um, I think small businesses right now, they want to be in the social media world. Some of them have their own kind of unique um, content that they provide, but it's really difficult to compete with the big dogs, specifically with the algorithms and social media changing every single day. You guys sit in that space. What would be your best advice for a local business that, you know, really just wants to portray who they are, but ultimately might not have that massive budget? And maybe they are a small company that has five or six employees. You know, what does that look like? And it might not be something where they team up with a spherical media, right? They might not be the right fit. I mean, we're always talking on our end is you, you got to be a good fit on each side, sure. right? And so um, tell me what, what would be your advice for those businesses that, that want to get that step, but maybe they don't know how. I mean, my first thing is knowing who you're trying to market to. Um, you need to know your audience. And so if you are able to really dial in on that audience, then you're able to spend not nearly as much to reach the specific people that you want to reach. Um, when you are trying to cast that wide net, that's when you start spending dollars. I mean, we're going through this as a small business ourselves when we're looking at, you know, Google ad spends, social ad spends, all those kind of things. And <clears throat> when I sit down with our marketing director, I, I'm like, you know, why are we just 
throwing it out there to anyone. Let's find exactly who we want to get in front of and let's spend the dollars to get in front of those people. And that's where I think you can find cost savings as a small business is if the more specific you are on who you're trying to reach, the the better your dollars are going to go to finding that person. And what else is interesting is it's it's not all about platforms either. It's about behaviors. So that that's what we're finding out when we look at all these things and try to evaluate. You might say, okay, a big segment of our audience lives here, but they don't all act the same. And there's so many different areas where they can be. So that's making things a little bit more interesting and pinpointing exactly who that audience is, where they are, but then how they behave. How do you follow them, you know, in a, a stalkerish way? You know, it, th those things exist, but there's a lot of questions that you need to go through, but identifying that audience is, is always number one. So what are those specific platforms? Obviously, we can throw out the big ones, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn. Where do you guys see social media going? Big question. Yeah, I know. I let them. We're getting into the tough ones here. That's, that's a way to. We're trying question. to help people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I mean, well, I mean, when you talk about social media, it's just the relationships happening online. So, in terms of you mentioned the big ones, I, I think that there's other opportunities even at a company level where they're developing their own platforms where people interact. I'm not sure how much that will face external, but there's a lot of internal that's happening even in these big corporations when they're sharing content amongst their people to keep morale at a certain point, to inform, to inspire. You can look at that as social media. Now, it's not external facing and not everybody's in there. But I think more of those platforms are going to happen because people are seeing, especially in a labor market that's so tight right now, they're fighting and trying to find good people. So they need to retain who they are, market to those they don't have yet. But those internal platforms, in my mind, you know, it's a little bit different than what we think in terms of social media. But Really, the meaning is a relational connection online, and that's what's happening from an internal-facing standpoint. And then I would say on the video side, where we're finding a lot of companies finding success is not necessarily an online play always. You know, um, when you have people in person in a sales meeting, in a, you know, uh, an event setting, um, you have a captive audience. So one thing that can happen, first of all, is the video can be longer. Um, they're not going anywhere. They're in their seats. They can't get out of there. Um, and so you can get a message across to them that maybe has a little bit more depth, a little bit of more emotion, um, and you're going to get them to actually watch and listen to it. Um, and so that happens. A lot of our bigger corporate clients are using them when they go into sales meetings. That's how they're launching the sales meeting to sort of get buy-in before they even start talking dollars and cents. Um, so that's one area that I think is growing. And then Jared touched on the other one. I think it's culture and hiring. That's the other really big area for uh, video because people want to know what kind of place they're going to go work at. What's it like? I mean, before I came in here to your guys' space, I didn't know what it looked like. But then when we came that first time for that meeting with you guys, I mean, I was blown away. This place is awesome. It's like a clubhouse to come hang out in. Oh, thank you. And, uh, and it's, it's never it's been called a, a clubhouse. Yeah. That's kind of cool. We'll take that. <laughs> it's just very warm and inviting. And I think... I think to have that, um, being able to show that off is something that you guys can do when you're when you're looking at talking. I mean, people are going to see it because they're seeing the podcast and everything like that. But um, I think that's a value add when you talk about maybe hiring new people. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I'm going to branch off on this. And this goes into a little bit more from a, a marketing standpoint. And I just want to see or hear y'all's opinion on it. So 
what I've seen in the last, I'd say three years, I feel like more bigger corporations, small companies, everybody is moving towards a community-based marketing, marketing platform. Uh, it's not so much about look at my product, look what I can do. Look at this great, you know, explosion on my video. Everything's amazing. Like you can make great content. Like you said, people are sending music videos, but it doesn't create that emotion. Are you guys seeing your clients come to you and say, Hey, we, we do all this great work in the community, but we don't know how to, how to, how to get that out there. Right. And it's not necessarily a, Hey, look what we do for the community, but it's really saying like, we're more than just the bottom line. And I think with us in the, at the Dunstan group, that's exactly who we are. Like it's part of our purpose is community matters. And it's not necessarily just to say, Hey, community matters. And we throw money at a wall. Like we're involved in a lot of organizations. And I think that's what makes us special and makes it a cool place to work. Tell us about what you're seeing big, small, medium, are companies more focused on that to not only drive in more internal or external talent to their organization, but also marketing to potential customers? That's a significant piece that we're seeing uh, in all these organizations, small, medium, large, is, is that community presence. And the way that's positioned is it's less about the organization providing it and more about the impact that is occurring. Uh, those are their stakeholders in those scenarios whether they are partnering with a, a different charitable organization or they have their own cause that they're supporting, uh, we are telling the story of the organization that is the beneficiary and not about the organization. Now, they may appear in that video somewhat, and, and they need to, or they may have representation from a short interview. But for the most part, you're hearing from that other organization saying, without company A or B, we wouldn't be in this position, and this is how they're helping us. And this is who we're able to then impact down the line, the pay it forward view. And so that's, that's what's occurring in a number of spaces. Part of their corporate responsibility, it does align with marketing efforts. And it's a big piece. And you touched on having others feel uh, not only this emotion and then want to support your organization, but it works internally with, with employees and then from a recruiting standpoint to see that they're doing good and that we have this connection that's that's much bigger than, than ourselves and much bigger than that company. Yeah, we have two large bank clients that are doing that exact thing. And so we have series ongoing with them where we're showing where their employees are giving back in their various communities. And it is, if you listen to the overall conversation like you talk about in big corporate world, it is now less about, you know, the, the shareholders' dollars and cents, and it's more about... Uh, your employees and your community buying into you being a part of that. And I think they're starting to get it. Uh, and I think it started with small businesses, I think really got it first. And now I think those bigger companies, it's starting to bubble up there too. And so we're seeing that as our, as our clients do. What's next for you all? Man, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, we're just continuing. Uh, I mean, the word value gets thrown around, but for us, it's, it's looking at potential places to expand geographically. Uh, we, we love Charlotte, and that's the, the main focus of everything we're doing. We want to continue to embed ourselves in this community, uh, whether that's in outreach, uh, content support, just our presence in a lot of different areas, which is critical. And from a, a business standpoint, it's working through this growth and ensuring that we maintain the culture that we've built you know, coming from that journalistic uh, life, it seems like forever ago now, uh, we wanted to improve things not only for ourselves, but then for future team members. And thankfully, we're at that point now. But it's continuing that culture where people enjoy coming to work every day at Spherical Media and the things that we can provide in that environment. And having a culture of team learning has been critical because 
not everybody. I always compare it to a skill set with five skills within it. Somebody might be good at two, if you're lucky, and they might right. get into that 90 percentile. Those other three, you know, we don't want to get sidetracked with them, but you can find somebody else on your team that's better and bring everyone up together. And, and we've seen that happen in our organization within the last six months. And from a business owner standpoint, that's the most gratifying thing that you can see is the rest of your team, team bringing everybody up together. And then from a service standpoint, it's, it's growing around the storytelling element. We have the aerial, as, as I mentioned earlier. It's also building out our live streaming, uh, which we'll, we'll take to events, behind the scenes, training. There's so many different applications for, for live stream and then building out in the audio. And, and then we'll look to stay ahead. You know, we've been fortunate that we are in a time and a place where we could use the skills that we had and so thankful for the, the time in TV and in radio and media and connecting with people. And, and then social media to get us to video, uh, to be at a place where we feel at home, which is pretty incredible. We're comfortable. Our team's amazing. Uh, we laugh. We were in an event last night for Junior Achievement. Uh, we partner with them every year for their North Carolina Business Hall of Fame event. And we provide the video from, of their laureates, their award winners. Last night was Frank Harrison from Coca-Cola Consolidated awesome. and, and Felix Sabatis. And we were in that room, but the difference was six years ago, we wouldn't have been as relaxed as we were at the table. <laughs> <laughs> because Tim and, I, Tim and I didn't touch a camera. Uh, we, we maybe watched the final version. Uh, before I we actually went. hadn't yeah. even seen the he final hadn't seen yet. the two versions so this was good and my First wife time. was laughing at me because literally like Jared said six years ago we were the ones that actually shot it and I was pacing in the back of the room making sure this <laughs> thing's gonna play right sure. freaking out and then last night it was like can I have a beer and so <clears throat> it is that transition it's progress it is yeah. it is yes. it's progress um, and it's confidence in the in the team members we have that they're gonna knock it out of the park which is really fun to have well so you guys, um, you guys have an amazing blog that um, produces really good content for people that are looking, you know, to, how do I implement something? Like your recent blog that just came out um, yesterday is five content marketing ideas for the end of the year, right? Like five great ideas, like how can you market your brand and really kind of elevate that for 2020? I love that because it seems to me like you're a company that is not trying to keep all of the secrets. Like you want the city to do great. You want the industry to do great. We always talk about that. Like we want to team up with people that are in different cities and see like, what are people in Chicago doing in our space, right? Like, what are they doing? Great. Like, it's not a rival. Like we can learn something from that. And I love that you guys put a lot of stuff out there. Five tips for conducting on-camera interviews, uh, how to, how to use explainer videos to engage your audience, the evolution of video, the best platforms to distribute your videos. So if you're listening to the podcast, definitely go check it out. Spiraclebuzz.com slash the blog. And it is Oh, really cool. And, and I'm, I'm excited to, to continue to, to get this. And I appreciate you guys doing that to kind of go into the next question here, you know, with, with your business and it all being kind of video driven, what's the future, right? Like, I think a lot of people are, are not worried, but like social media is kind of taken over. I mean, it, it's, it's wild, right? Like it's in a wild space. Everybody's trying to compete there. What does the next like three to five years look like? And is it even, is it impossible to even know what three years would look like? I don't think it's impossible, but I mean, I, there are going to be changes that we don't know that are going to happen. I mean, the, the uh, speed at which technology is advancing things is so much faster than it's ever been. Um, but I still think that there is, just like through history, there's, there, the reason we've anchored our company to storytelling is because that is something that has been anchored throughout time. 
um, you know, oral tradition through stories, uh, audio through radio, then through TV, and now through online video. At the, at the core of it all, there's always still been a story that needs to be told. Everybody has a story and people connect with stories. And so, so we feel confident in that, that we're going to be safe there. Um, but I, like Jared said, we're trying to stay on the edge of technology. So, you know, augmented reality. Um, I'm not really huge on virtual reality personally. I think augmented reality is a much, um, much more realistic and viable um, lane to take. And it's something that I think we can play well into. Um, but it, it, is, it is still evolving. It isn't there yet for everybody that's going to put on you know, Google glasses and feel like they're immersed in a place and are we all going to run into walls and all kinds of stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, what, what's it going to become? You don't know yet, but I think that's, that is the road I think we're heading down. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, Very cool, I, man. yeah, it's just it, it's it's how quickly everything changes, and uh, it, it's just interesting to hear that from you guys. Well, you know, before we we close this up, definitely want to learn the best way for people to follow your journey. Obviously, if there's an organization or uh, or someone that's listening now that wants to get in touch with you, would love to uh, to find that information. I'll let you guys plug that in a second. But if you are listening to this podcast, definitely uh, like, share, comment. We would love for you guys to, uh, to to share this to everybody in Charlotte and all of your network so they can hear and, and hopefully learn something from it. But tell us, what's the best way to follow you guys? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, you can find us at Spiracle Media and all the major social media outlets, uh, channels, including uh, Instagram, Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, our website, as you mentioned, spiraclebuzz.com. We also have a podcast of our own, The Hive Life, where we have a lot of those things that you see in our blogs, such as the evolution of video that we sit down with other people within the community. And uh, there's just a lot of different ways. And I'd, I'd open it up, too, for organizations that are out there that are in the marketing space. Uh, we love to have people in our office in an event setting, you know, whether it's a, a breakfast or something like that where you want to bring your team to if you're interested in, in learning more about storytelling or an element of that process. It's something we enjoy doing from an educational standpoint. And the last thing I'll add, you, you brought it up on the blog and the, and the sharing uh, information. I think there was a time when we started in, in our world that we tried to keep things close to our vest. And through maturity, we've realized that, one, I think it's, it, it's so much better to share what you know and your knowledge base because the majority of people aren't going to do it. Um, and so there's no reason to hold on to it. And the ones that are going to do it are going to benefit from you sharing it. And they're going to remember that. And so I think there is such a better place to be if you're able to share that knowledge rather than trying to hold it in because you're not going to be um, better in the long run. And, and so I think we both as business owners, uh, it took a while for us to get to that point. But I think uh, over the last few years, it's been really important to us to, to try and open up and, and be a resource for people in the community. I love that. That's a fantastic way to close it out. Um, so everybody, if you are, are listening, remember Spiracle Buzz, Steph Curry, Under Armour, you're welcome. They basically created it, what right. you have today, Under Armour. Foundational. Um, but no, Jared and Tim, it, amazing stuff. Um, I, I love the story, love the company. I can't wait to, to follow. I, I've actually never been to your, your spot yet, so definitely got to come check that out, especially since you came and checked out the DG Clubhouse, which is now our new, <laughs> our new nickname. Uh, but thank you, Jared and Tim, again, for joining us on the Brand Butters Podcast. I hope everybody uh, goes and follows it. And if you guys are looking for some awesome new ideas, definitely check them out. And uh, until next time, thank you again for joining us on the Brand Butters Podcast. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. 
For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.